Welcome back to another episode of Dental Rift. I'm your co-host, Gary Bird. Taylor, how are we doing today? Terrible. I'm at the dentist. Tell me about it. You want an x-ray? Is that necessary? No, but insurance does cover it. Not the reality of dental, but this is what people, how people perceive it. A lot of that in there, which is true, which makes it why it's funny. ADA always, I think it's monthly or quarterly, they do the economic outlook and emerging issues in dentistry report. 3% of these respondents say that they're accepting new patients, which means they're sitting there just pouring money into marketing. So there was an office manager in South Jersey, and she got caught stealing over $100,000. They were the office manager. They were taking the medical, whatever the procedure was, and they were changing it And when they submitted it to insurance. But the insurance now is going to have a record of all of the procedures that were billed, and there's no way to catch that. If you're making an extra ten thousand dollars a month, right. I mean that's a lot of money. Well, ten thousand dollars a month. If she did a hundred thousand a year, yes. Welcome back to another episode of Dental Rift. I'm your co-host Gary Bird. I'm the founder of SMC National, where we help you create, convert, and close more new patients so you can grow the way that you want. My name is Tanner Applegate. I'm the CEO and founder of Unify. We are bringing together all the different software solutions you have into one single place to make your life easier and more efficient. All right. So we got something really, really interesting for you today. Some stuff that was honestly is really shocking. So the ADA just came out with their most recent time to appointment. And we got some very fascinating data around that. It'll definitely impact your uh, office. And then we have a story where an office manager stole $109,000. And we're going to talk through that one. And then I got a funny one that I want to share with you, Tanner, about the honest dental visit. So which one Which one do you want to jump into first? Uh, I always pick. Let's have you go and jump in with your All right. one that you're interested in. I want to show this one because this is, this is really good. The second I saw this, I said, all right, I got to share this with Tanner. Um, let's see here. Taylor, how are we doing today? Terrible. I'm at the dentist. Tell me about it. You want an x-ray? Is that necessary? No, but insurance does cover it, theoretically. So what brings you in today? I'm about to quit my job and lose my benefits. Great. Let's run up the tab. Open wide. Have you been flossing? Not since one day after I last saw you. Don't worry. I'll spend the next half hour making you feel guilty about it. That's fine. I'm not listening. Care for a cold char puck prodding your gum on? I'm actually good. Gonna do it anyway. Uh, now I'm gonna attempt a little small talk uh, while I got this pokey thing in your mouth. How are the wife and kids? Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Here's a little sucky thing to distract you from the folks. We got three or four? Four. Oh, three. That's what I thought. Well, I got good news and bad news. The good news is you got mouthful cavities. How's that good news? I'm going to make a lot of money. Bad news is you got a copay. But more good news. Free floss picks. Not going to use them. Don't care. Hey, sorry to interrupt the show, but I have a segment that's going to bring a ton of value to you. We have people who've been sending in their questions, asking us about marketing. We're answering live on the air. And today's question comes from Eric. And Eric wanted to know what pitfalls should they watch out for when adding full arch to their GP practice? Now, from a marketing perspective, there's a lot here. So number one, marketing for full arch is totally different from GP because you're going to get a ton more opportunities, but you're not going to convert as many of those opportunities. Meaning just to get one full arch patient in the office that accepts treatment, you might have to get 50 to 100 leads that you have to work through. That means you have to have bandwidth for that. You have to have somebody on your team that can help with that and knows how to convert those. The next thing is you got to have people in your office that know how to convert the treatment. If no one has ever sold full arch in your office before, 
chances of you getting a patient to say yes to full large for marketing is slim to none. Those are just two of the problems that you can run into. Uh, there's a lot of others, but those are the main ones. So if you have a question about marketing, feel free to email us at askgary at smcnational.com or you can leave a comment or DM us and we'll get your questions answered. Thanks so much. Back to the show. All right. So, so the reason I wanted to share this was obviously this is not the reality of dental, but this is what people, how people perceive it, right? Like this is what people oh, yeah. think about when they think about dental. And I know a lot of times we talk about like, how do we make the patient journey enjoyable or how do we right, do all these things to make the patient, you know, feel good about it. But at the end of the day, this is what parody is of, of a dental office. So I, I just thought it was fascinating that that's the level. It may not be the truth, but there's a lot of that, a lot of that in there, which is true, which makes it why it's funny. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and, and again, that doesn't mean that every dentist does all the things that they said in that thing. But again, this is the perception of the general public. Yeah, quite totally. That's, I liked it. It was good. I love those honest ones. I hadn't seen the dental one. Okay. So let's, um, let's jump into, uh, let's talk about the ADA. You said, uh, you have some stats around average time to appointment. Yeah. So ADA always, I think it's monthly or quarterly. They do the economic outlook and emerging issues in dentistry report. So they replace this one and the time to appointment for new patients has gone up and it is now 14 days where the time to appointment for a an existing patient was 10 days right what are your thoughts on that as a marketer well so here's what happens when when you do that um if you get past about three days just past two days and going into the third day your no-show rate goes from whatever it normally is at 10 percent 15 percent whatever it is and it goes up into the 30s or even higher so being, if you're putting new patients 14, 15 days out, your no-show rate's going to be really high on those new patients, like really high, egregiously high. And you might not even notice that it's high because patient referrals are coming in and they're waiting two weeks, but they're all showing up. So you might get this blended show rate that is okay that you can live with, you know what I mean? But the money, the one that you're actually paying for are leaking out uh, before you even get them. Yeah. And what's crazy to me is that 93% of these respondents say that they're accepting new patients, which means they're sitting there just pouring money into marketing and just wasting it. Yeah. And then, and then they're probably around the industry average of unanswered calls too. So the reason that mm -hmm. they're 14 days out is because they're short on staffing, which usually hits the front desk as well at this, in the same way. So they're probably not answering 35% of their calls either. So they're they're losing 60, 70% of their opportunities just on those two metrics alone. And you can't, nobody tracks it that way. Like very few people track it that way. So yeah, it's a, it's a problem. It's a nightmare for sure. I just thought that was interesting. I was, what I think was, I, I think I knew that the time being pushed out was large, right? It was, it's a common problem. What was surprising to me though, was that the new patients were pushed out farther than existing patients. Like existing patients is 10 days. I'm like, that's ridiculous. Like you need to get your new patients in sooner. Like it's their first experience with your office. I think the reason for that is because most existing patients are coming in on the doctor schedule while most new patients are coming in on the hygiene schedule. If you made me guess why that is. I don't, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. 
how many business days does the average patient of record have to wait for an appointment excluding emergencies? So you're right. I don't, it didn't, it didn't specify who it was coming in on, but I think that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I would love that article, by the way, I would love to see that article yeah. if you can text it to me. Okay. Let's, uh, I want to share this story with you. This one's pretty interesting. So, um, this is kind of unique. I, I, I don't think it's unique cause I, I know it happens, but the way this one rolled out. So there was an office manager in South Jersey and, um, they got, she got caught stealing over a hundred thousand dollars. It was $109,000 and, um, they were the office manager and they were there for 10 years. So they worked at this office for 10 years. Um, and basically what they were doing was they were, they were changing. Oh, it says here, um, let me, hold on, let me go to it. So they were changing their, um, they were taking the medical, whatever the procedure was, and they were changing it. And when they submitted it to insurance, so the doctor thought they were doing a filling and they're submitting a root canal and getting paid on that root canal and then scraping that money off the top. So the doctor thinks, oh, I'm getting the money that I'm supposed to be getting, right? And she's keeping the difference, but they got caught and, and, um, yeah, it was, I, I thought that was like really interesting. I've never heard it quite broken down like that before. Yeah, that one's, that one's catchy just because there's so much record in that, right? The EOB is going to show what procedures were billed. You can go back and sure, change it back to the old procedure and like cut the difference. But the insurance now is going to have a record of all of the procedures that were billed. What I could see doing, and this is something that like, as you bring up, I don't think there's a way to track this, especially if it's a cash paying patient is to do that for them where we say, Hey, we did a one filling, uh, one surface filling. I'm going to bill you out as a three surface filling and I'm going to like keep the difference. And then I'm just going to change it back to one surface in the system. And there's no way to catch that. I think that's, yeah, that's the part that was interesting to me. I've never, I'm not, I've heard people stealing money, right? Just grabbing the insurance check and just keeping it and just washing it or depositing it in their personal account or whatever. Um, but I've never heard of people breaking it down quite this way before. That was very interesting. Yeah. And I don't, like you said, I don't know if there's a ton of ways you can catch it if it's done properly. Like insurance, insurance I think you could easily catch it, but yeah, not, a, not the patient balances. Got it. Yeah. So the, the insurance side, they're going to, that's, I think that's how they got caught was the insurance figured it out. And the insurance is like, Hey, this isn't adding up. Like thing, there's been too many or but the insurance companies are on top of their stuff. You know what I mean? They, they, if they notice anything that's not regular, they're going to be able to catch it. And then they're assuming that it's the doctor committing fraud. But in this instance, it was the front desk that was robbing them, robbing them blind. Hundred, hundred nine thousand over the 10 years. I don't, I didn't, and it, I don't know if it was over that whole time. I don't, I assume not. That's not that much. Uh, always I'm makes, always blows my mind how people are willing to get into that, knowing that like, it's not really not like a ton of the money that's going to completely change your lifestyle in a positive way. But when you're caught, it can easily change your lifestyle in a very negative way. So, yeah. Yeah, the upside. Well, yeah, if you're making an extra ten thousand dollars a month, I mean that's a lot of money. Um, well, ten thousand yeah, dollars a month. If she did a hundred thousand a year, yes. But if she did a hundred thousand over ten years, that's ten thousand dollars a year. That's maybe a thousand dollars a month. Yeah, yeah. 
Yep. And uh, this happens all the time in dental. How, how often do you think this is happening? Like just from oh, the people who get caught? It's not a matter of if it'll happen to you, it's a matter of when it'll happen to you. Maybe not to the point where it's hundreds of thousands of dollars. I think a lot of the times the doctor just fires a person and moves on. But at that large scale, like, yeah, you're going to want to press charges and such. So if you had to guess, how many offices is this actively happening at I right think now? It's probably actively. I think that it, it will happen in probably 50% of offices that will have an experience of it actively happening, maybe one in five. But that's still 20 one in 10. That's, yeah, but yeah. Uh, so pretty much it's going to touch everybody, right? And mm-hmm. and then, yeah, there's it's actively happening. If it's 20, 30%, that's crazy. That means if you own 10 offices, right. one or two of them it's happening at, the, unless you get it under, you know, unless you figure out a way to prevent that. And that's the, that's the crazy thing about dental is that it's really hard to protect yourself against this stuff because of the way that payments come in. Did you ever figure out a way that to make something bulletproof where it's just like, nah, you, there, people aren't going to be able to do one this? It's pretty easy. If, if the payment is coming in on credit card or check, it's really hard to cash it under a different name and take money off of it, right? It's the petty cash that really has a higher likelihood of getting scammed. So if you've got a l- usually lower income population will do a lot of cash. And so if you've got a high, heavy cash office, you've got to do cash, um, the cash logs, right? Which a lot of companies don't do very well, but there needs to be a cash log and have two people signing off on it frequently because that would reduce the amount of fraud that happens. Um, and then just always kind of the two person system, right? Don't ever let just one person handle all of that stuff. Yeah, that's good. That's good advice. It's, it's, in, it's an interesting topic because it's one that I'm helping out dental offices right now structure out their accounting departments. And it's incredible to me how much people don't have these processes and systems in place. And they usually rely on one key person to handle it, where it's that key person that's the one that ends up being tempted yeah. too much. And they're the ones committing the fraud. Yikes. Yeah, that's a big problem. So, so. There is a way to protect yourself, but it's never, it's never foolproof. Is that, is that right? And it's, you probably have to spend Never foolproof a hundred percent, but it would definitely reduce it 95% of the time. But then, um, but it's a lot of extra work, which dental offices don't love doing. Yeah. So if there's a cost associated, a labor cost associated to protect yourself. Got it. Awesome, man. All right. Well, good show. I'll talk to you later. All right. Chat with you soon. Peace. Peace.